1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com. Um, just wanted to do a quick explanation really quickly about what's happening with this episode. So, uh, because of the short week uh, with the Sunday game, Sunday afternoon game, and the Thursday night game, uh, Akshaz and I recorded both pieces of this um, two-part episode on Monday night. So, you'll hear a little bit of a connection to to that Uh, episode that you heard earlier in this week but it does kind of jump in things so I just wanted to give you a sense of where we are Um, we're just going to start right in and start talking about the the matchup against the Seahawks that's coming up on Thursday night Uh, so no introduction of Akshaz this time and the reason for it is because we were already talking and it just felt awkward so uh, without further ado let's get into this conversation with Akshaz and I about uh, the Seahawks game All right. So uh, as I said during uh, the episode that you probably listened to on Tuesday, um, we uh, originally talked about a couple of different ways to handle this short week um, because there's not a lot of time in between Monday uh, in between uh, Sunday afternoon and, and Thursday night. So, um, but in the end, we decided to split this into two separate episodes. Um, and so Agshaz and I are going to now talk about the uh, this Thursday night matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, who um, ended up mattering in this year uh, against all odds. Um, and um, yeah, so pretty, pretty massive game here on Thursday night. Actually, as, uh, with the Niners uh, win over the Buccaneers on Sunday, um, and the Panthers coming through with the victory over the, the Seahawks means that the Niners can clinch the NFC West um, with their third quarterback, <laughs> third starting quarterback of the year, uh, we'll get into uh, a little bit more about that here in just a moment uh, on Thursday night in Seattle, um, rocking those uh, those sweet white all white uh, throwback uniforms, um, which you know shades of 2019 a little bit, right? Um, hopefully uh, not quite as dramatic, uh, but we'll see how that how that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be. It'll be an interesting game, obviously a short week with uh, and with some of the injury things that we talked about before. Um, it's going to it's going to put us put the Niners in an interesting spot. But um, before we get into just kind of looking at where the Niners are in terms of injuries coming out of uh, the Monday night game, obviously we we talked last time about Devo Samuel, but there are certainly other names to be mentioning um, that that we got to do. Any sort of overall thoughts about this game, how you how you're you're thinking about it, how you're feeling about it? Uh, as we, uh, sit here on Monday night.
2: I think until the 49ers prove that they can just consistently win in Seattle, I will never be comfortable with them going up to Seattle. I think even now it's been like 2019 was the last win up in Seattle, I think.
1: Yeah. Cause they got swept by last yeah. year. Even and the Seahawks so- are terrible. Uh,
2: it's one of those it's one of those things that it just like it sticks with you and it was a huge deal in 2019 for the players who had been around in the hardball years to beat Seattle up there it was a huge win and I think you know the 49ers don't in theory have to win this game their playoff percentage chance is like 99 percent as it stands they're At nine and four, it would take a complete and total collapse to not make the playoffs. But when this game, it's so many things become so much easier. And I think it's an important game just for, like, the team to, like, be able to win, you know. When the pressure's mounting and they got to get after it, I think they're up to the challenge. There's nothing to say that they aren't. But, you know, it's one of those things you kind of want them to, like, show that, like, must win game, big game. They they show up. So I don't yeah. know. Seattle scares me, even though they've been <laughs> kind of weird. Seattle, the like stadium scares me. The team also scares me only because they're right now. They're one of those teams that, even though they might not be playing very well, they can play very like. They can have a game where you're just like, okay, like why did this? Why are you so good? Like now for no reason, <laughs> and you can't be like, oh, this is like crazy. It'll be just like, no, they're like things just like clicked for them. So I don't know. Cautiously optimistic.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Certainly until until the Niners can start stringing together wins on the road against the Seahawks, um you're always going to be like, you know, this team is going to be annoying, um, even if they're not good. It, Necessarily, I think they're obviously better this year than they were last year, but um, it's certainly something to to watch out for for sure. But and as you say, uh, they're not definitely out. They're not out of the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination if they lose. But it certainly would make the last three games a little bit less pressure filled, right? I mean, we talked about the the number two seed would still be in play, um, but to a certain extent, that's not necessarily. All based on what they do. Um, You know, the Vikings also have four games left, and they are already a game up. So if the Vikings win out, then it doesn't necessarily then it doesn't really matter what the Niners do anyway. So um, you you obviously have to to take care of your own business and and hope for for some for some help in other regards. But it would certainly be nice to to know that um, the division is locked up you feel pretty good about where where you are and and you and you feel pretty confident that you're at least going to get one home playoff game heading into the into this thing. So and then of course as we know, you know you get into the into the mix and and weird things can happen. Um you know, just look at the Bengals last year. Nobody expected them to get to the Super Bowl and they had a legitimate chance of winning that thing last year. So you just never know. Um all right. So let's go through obviously this early in the week it's kind of hard to know um, exactly what the injury situation is is heading into Thursday. Um, again, uh, on usually with these short weeks, what they do is they they sort of they they estimate what the playoff or what the practice situation would have been like under a normal circumstance. Um, they're really only going to practice probably two days this week, and um, and then and maybe not even that. It may be like a day and a half. Uh, more than likely, they'll head up to to seattle on wednesday so they it's it's not going to be a long long week it's mostly just sort of walkthroughs and preparation so in some ways it's it's kind of nice that it's a a familiar team you know a, a team they've already played and a team that they know pretty well um so that that will help with some of the the preparation for sure um but uh they'll be heading into into this this game on thursday night uh brock purdy appears to be okay um there was some concern about uh, his oblique strain uh, that he suffered uh, at some point during the game against the Buccaneers. But he, the the MRI seems to suggest that it's, it's kind of a low grade thing, not a big deal. I imagine it'll be a situation. It's mostly, just, you know, like dealing with the pain and, and the, and the discomfort, uh, which is really good news. Cause I don't know about you, but I was not looking forward to a fourth starting quarterback this year, um, especially on a short week with a guy that just got here like six days ago. Um, so it seems like he's in he's in pretty good shape. Uh, Sam Womack uh, not uh, has already been ruled out for Thursday. He's in the concussion protocol, and it's just that's just a timing thing. It just that doesn't have enough time to to complete the steps in the concussion protocol. So they already had to rule him out. Um, it's an MCL sprain for Kevin Givens. So looking like he'll probably miss the rest of the regular season, um, but will be good to go uh, for um, the playoffs. Uh, when that time comes, uh, Carrie Hyder, Amber Thomas, Eric Armstead, and Christian McCaffrey would have all been limited uh, on Monday had they actually practiced. Um, but I, I think most of that is going to be precautionary. It looks like, um, everybody, especially with Armstead and McCaffrey, just you know, they've been slowly kind of working themselves back to full speed. Uh, did not seem to hamper McCaffrey on Sunday, so I'm not terribly concerned there. Um, and then, um, we talked about Debo Samuels. That's good. He won't play on Thursday, but uh, should be back within a couple of weeks. And, of course, the, the, the I don't want to say this is the saddest news, but it's a bummer. Uh, Dante Johnson uh, um, towards ACL. Uh, long time, long time, long time member of the San Francisco 49ers, and often uh, cut and, and re-signed member of the San Francisco 49ers, has been a, a a stalwart member of the team, Has has done everything that this team has ever asked him to do, Including being signed and and cut and added the practice squad and elevated and da 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 da, and uh, yeah, and I, I think it was a special teams play that he got hurt on 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 Sunday. Um, so bummer for him because again, as we talked about with with Debo Samuel, the the real scary part of if had if his injury had been long term, you, you start to think about not only this year but next year, and and with Dante Johnson, you're certainly thinking about that and. Where he is in his career, you start to wonder how much longer he wants to keep doing this. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, I think the 49ers will have a place for him next year um, if he wants to, to 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 keep pressing on. But um, certainly bad news for, for, for Dante Johnson. But uh, mostly good news in the injury front uh, in other places for the 49ers, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think.
2: They're obviously not gonna be coming into Seattle with all the weapons, but they should have enough to take care of business. For Dante, I think it's such it's incredible how like synonymous he is with the 49ers and how like insane that is to think about. I remember in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, I had and I don't know, I'm definitely sure I didn't come up with this term, but I'll call it the Dante Johnson effect where the young quarterback, cornerback, would always look really good on the 49ers because quarterbacks would throw it like, to Dante Johnson all the time because he just couldn't keep up at that <laughs> state of his career. But, I mean, kudos to him. He got super versatile, special teams, all of that, last year against the Rams in Week 18 was huge for the 49ers in making sure that they could make it to the playoffs. And I think from all accounts of the team is super well respected and liked in the locker room. And you just you hate injuries to happen, especially like you said, something that could eat into his offseason and next year. I think if he decides to hang him up but wants to stick around football, the 49ers might always offer him I think he's always welcome in Santa Clara because of just how like how integral he's been to so many different things. And if you think about like the type of mentality that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch want on their roster, people who are selfless, who work hard, who are constantly fighting, who are tough. Dante Johnson really fits the bill. It's it's remarkable, and I think you know there's so many like players. Who come and go in the nfl and there's so many different like people who like burst onto the scene and fade away superstars role players and all of that and you kind of like lose track of them but i think Dante johnson has really been able to carve out a remarkable kind of tenure and legacy with a team that i don't think it's very unprecedented it's probably one of the few players i think you can like really strongly be like oh yeah dante johnson's a 49er
1: <laughs> yeah for sure and 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 the i mean the really remarkable part is that he he's had seasons where he is you know and we talked about there was one year where he was the guy who was getting cut and released and cut and released <laughs> you know and brought back and then they for it seemed like all year they were doing that to him and then he, and then after all that uh, like it, it somehow made the 53 man roster last year, like out of nowhere, like, oh, OK. Um, so, you know, a great testament to him um, and what he's done. I, and we're not by any, any stretch of imagination saying he's definitely going to retire or anything. But um, I, I think if nothing else, as you say, that there's there's opportunities in this building uh, for him, if if the, the the Niners, if he decides that he that he is going to do that or wants to stick around and keep trying to play, I think the Niners have shown willingness to work with players. But also, um, you know, there might be some holes in the defensive staff for next year on if coaching is what he wants to do. Just just throwing that out there. Um, all right. Uh, so getting into the the Seahawks, the one the one name that I want to mention, obviously, we don't know uh where where they are either in terms of their um their health across the board. Um but what we do know is that their their sort of breakout star of the season uh, outside of Geno Smith has been Kenneth Walker, the third, their running back um out of Michigan State, I believe. Yeah. Um and he's uh he's been he's been out for a little bit now. Um He didn't play against the uh, Panthers on Sunday in their loss uh, to 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 Carolina, um, and it really ended up hurting their hurting their uh, that game. Um, He only ran the ball three times against the Rams in week 13. Um, And, you know, honestly, he's he's been a little bit ineffective over the last couple of weeks. Um, his last real good game was against Arizona in week number nine. He ran the ball 26 times for 109 yards, but since then it's been 10 for 17 against Tampa in week 10, 14 for 26 against, against the, the Raiders in week 12. And then, uh, that game against, uh, the Rams where he ran the ball three times for 36 yards. And then of course, doesn't play against the Panthers in week 14 and it's looking like he's kind of iffy. Um, uh, I think I, I just saw something that said he's probably a day-to-day um, decision, which, when you only have like two or three days, is probably not somewhere you want to be. Um, if nothing else, he'll be a little hobbled. Um, and they were they they had a, a rough go of it. Um, the Panther or the 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 Russian game from the from Seattle against uh, against the Panthers on Sunday um managed just 46 yards of of of, of rushing um over the last against the panthers and they've they've just been struggling with the rushing offense over the last couple of weeks so he wasn't the only one who was who was um not particularly good uh against the, the the bucks the raiders and the rams um the whole team's just struggling from that point of view so something to watch out for he's certainly been capable of being good this year but um uh, there's there's a lot to to, to pay attention to, uh, in terms of that, and obviously we can look at, at the week two game and, and think about the way that that impacts this, our thoughts about that. So with that in mind, let's let's go ahead and transition into the the conversation about this, um, the reason for optimism and the reasons for concern, for this game. So Akshay, I'll start with you. Reason for optimism for uh, the 49ers to to take home the victory and uh, the NFC West title.
2: So the reason for optimism, I think, is I'm trying to find a specific stat. That way I don't just, like, seem like I'm making it up. But the Seahawks are bad at stopping the run. Like, really bad. And I'm trying to – okay, let's see. There we go. Their opponents have 2,000 rushing yards on the year. That's 4.9 yards per rush attempt they average 160 rushing yards per game, 18 total rushing touchdowns on 424 rushing attempts. That's not good. That's just they're like they're just not good at stopping the run and we just saw the 49ers go up against a defense that was struggling against the run and pulverized them to the point where it was over by the second quarter. So I think the reason for optimism, above all else, beyond the fact that like Seahawks' offense has struggled a little, is just that they can't stop the run. And the 49ers have one of the most diverse, even without Debo, intricate and explosive rushing attacks in the NFL. And no matter how like well their offense plays, no matter what goes on, the Seahawks can't win the game if they don't possess the ball. So that's... My biggest reason for success is just, the second biggest reason, and I think equally in is that the Seahawks average 27.51 seconds, 27 minutes and 51 seconds time of possession per game. That's like remarkably low. So this is just, this is all the makings of a textbook 49ers victory, high time of possession, constantly running the ball. I'm, I'm
1: definitely right there with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you can't script in all the games against Seattle. This is the type of script that makes me the most confident that weird Seattle stuff that always seems to happen can't happen.
1: yeah 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 um i've basically same thing for me um their their defense is not really very good across the board um they also struggled to i mean they give up a fairly large amount of of, they've just given up a lot of yards across the across the board right they're just they're 4923 yards total uh so far this year which is 28th in the league and they've given up a lot of points too they're at 334 uh points which is 30th in the league um so they're not really fantastic it, it on defense and on any at any way you look at it you know the the um the the rushing yards and the rushing yards per attempt um really their big saving grace is that they've actually managed to they've they've forced a lot of turnovers um including um Eleven interceptions and um, ten force, f- ten fumbles uh, that they've recovered. So those numbers are pretty high. They're ninth in the league in interceptions. Uh, they're fifth in turnovers and third in fumbles um, uh, created um, that they've man- that they've recovered uh, from their opponents. So those numbers inflate things a little bit. But the the yardage and the points, it's it's kind of hard to to look at that and go, oh yeah, this is the team that you are concerned about stopping you from doing anything. Um, The Niners, as you may recall, ran for 189 yards in the the first matchup um, against uh, this team uh, on 45 carries. They ran the ball 45 times for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Now, the the running game that week was uh, significantly different than it will be uh, in week number uh, 15 in this game. Jeff Wilson was their leading rusher, 18 carries, 84 yards, uh, Debo Samuel ran the ball four times for 53 yards, including a long of 51, so kind of a bizarre um, (laughs) number there. Ty Davis-Price actually ran the ball 14 times for 33 yards in that game. Um, You remember him? He plays for this team. Uh, And that was it. Uh, So we're not going to see Wilson because he plays for the the Dolphins. We're not going to see Debo because he will not be playing. Um, Indications do not seem to be that Ty Davis-Price is going to be a major – a player on this team at least for 2022 uh so it'll be a mccaffrey probably see a lot more jordan mason because of the devo samuel injury i don't know maybe ty davis price gets a run out there because samuel is out and so maybe the solution to him being out is to have a fourth running back active i, I, don't, I don't know um that will be very interesting to see what the decision is uh in that regard um and i believe if I'm, I'm not mistaken if i don't correct me if i'm wrong or if you know the answer to this but i don't think they can elevate tevin coleman again without adding him to the 53 man roster is that right do you know i don't know yeah. what where his elevation numbers are at this point
2: the only reason why i don't know the answer off the top of my head is because i'm fairly sure they signed him to the active roster and then cut him and
1: oh that's right
2: just and i don't know if it resets if you do that cuz if it does it seems question. like a
1: loophole that is that would be a loophole and that would be a pretty uh, crucial move cuz this would be his third elevation in on the season but if it reset because he was released and brought back then this would only be his second in the second cycle so maybe i don't know that'll be interesting to to find out um but we'll find out if they elevate him then we'll know um i don't if and that's the thing i don't know that they can right because they're in such a weird roster flux, because they're not going to put Debo on the on the IR, right? They're not going they're on IR. They're not going to put Kevin Givens on IR. Um, it, you know, it doesn't look like Grappola might go on IR at this point because the 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 situation seems to be that they're not expecting that he's going to get back at any point this year. So um, that seems to have been squashed completely. So there's a chance that he may end up going on injured reserve um, at this point, but you know a, they haven't as of yet put um, Hassan Ridgway in IR. So there's, there's some interesting roster things that may happen, and so depending on what they want to do, if they indeed look at it and go, you know, Jimmy's not coming back, you know, Garoppolo's done for the year, we really need another running back to, to get out there, we'd really like to have Coleman out there. Um, then maybe... Maybe they, they say, all right, Garoppolo, you're going on IR, on IR, season's over. Um, and then and then maybe Tevin Coleman comes up, depending on how those numbers work out. But it will be—the the, the, the long and the short of that is this will be a completely different rushing uh, group than there was against uh, the Seahawks in Week 2. But I'd argue it's probably a better group across the board uh, than, uh, you know, barring removing Tebow from the mix. Um, but I think exchanging McCaffrey for Jeff Wilson— and Jordan Mason, for at this point, the version of Ty Davis Price that we've gotten thus far is certainly an, an upgrade to my mind. So, um, expect a lot of that um, <laughs> from the 49ers uh, against uh, the Seahawks. And that would make me feel quite good. And especially if they're able to do what they did against them in week two, which is they got off to an early lead. They were up 20 to nothing at halftime. And then at that point, there ain't nothing left for the Seahawks to do. Um, so,. That'll be very interesting. All right, so what do we think? What's what's giving us concern about this game heading into this on Thursday night?
2: So my concern is Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense kind of like regaining the explosive nature they had in the beginning of the year. So Geno in the first four weeks, and that includes basically the 49ers defense shutting them down in week two had 30.9 total epa from weeks 5 to 14 this is from pff he has had 29.7 total epa so the reason why they've just not been the same since week five according to this is kevin cole is that there's just been too many like negative plays turnovers interceptions fumbles sacks just things that like are kind of moving the seahawks backwards but that doesn't change the fact that Geno has had some high-level throws, and the Seahawks' offense, even though Ken Walker may not be playing, is still quite explosive insofar as how it's construed. You have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Geno Smith has been playing quite well despite this like slowdown in his overall play. He is going to win NFL Comeback Player of the Year almost by a landslide, and I just think if you if you tell me a script for a game against Seattle that kind of goes wrong, to me it's, if if someone from the future told me, okay, Seattle won, my guess would be it's because the 49ers offense kind of scuffles a little bit, Geno Smith plays out of his mind, and the defense is just unable to kind of keep up with an offense that, in theory, can really be among the best of them. And it's shown to be that in some ways. Do I think it's likely? No. And I think most things probably reflect the fact that the way the Seahawks win this game is very reliant on this like offensive awakening that really hasn't been there since week five. But that's, I mean, that's a concern. I think that's a way things might kind of get away from the 49ers.
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, we talked about this a lot, like with a lot of the opponents that the Niners have run up against this year, right? It's like, the only way, you know, barring the Chiefs game, the, the way that they've lost games is that they've that there's been just a little too much bend in the defense and the offense is not been able to supply anything. Right. Those are the games that they've lost this year. Um, if you look at the Bears game, if you look at the, the Broncos game, if you look at the Atlanta game and. Yeah, that's really, that's it. I mean, the Chiefs game is an anomaly in a lot of ways, but those other three losses are are all very much the same thing. The defense just couldn't quite hang on. I, you know, you could probably make an argument they got beat up a little bit by Atlanta. Um, but, you know, the Broncos game and the Bears game, for sure. It's just like they did all they could, and then they just couldn't do enough, and the offense didn't help, right? Um, and so that will continue to be something to watch out for. Um, I think this Seattle offense is certainly more capable than the Bears offense is certainly more capable than the Broncos offense is. I try not to say that without laughing too hard, but, um, there you go. Um, and of course you always have to factor in like division game weirdness, right? Like things get weird with division games, especially against the Seahawks, especially against the Seahawks in, in Seattle at Lumen field. Um, it's just you, you got to be prepared for some strangeness to happen. And the the way to sort of combat that is to just kick them in the teeth early, just like they did in the, the game at, at Levi's in week two. And then they, they can't catch up and, you know, hope that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. You know, they had like that weird play where they, for some reason ran a, a, a what was it, a halfback pass that got intercepted? It's like, okay, well that was weird, but thanks. Um, so you got to hope for for a little bit of, of, of fortune in that particular case as well. The only other thing that that has me concerned a little bit is are we how much attrition can this defensive line handle? Right. Um, you know, Bosa was able to play on Sunday, played you know pretty well, probably got a, a sack stolen from him by the officials not paying attention to Tom Brady's knee being down. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Drake Jackson is really doing really good work um, as a rookie in spot uh, opportunities. Um Samson Ebicom is playing well. Uh, Charles Mena, who is playing well. Eric Armstead has been just absolutely fantastic to have back over the last couple of weeks. You know, but you lost Hassan Ridgeway. You lost Kevin Givens uh, for an extended period of time. You know, Kerry Hyder is looking like he's going to be a little hobbled uh, heading into Thursday, but we'll see how that goes. It, it's just like how much you know, it, are are we getting to that point where the defensive line can no longer maintain this sense of like everybody that gets thrown at you is is doing damage uh, i don't think we're there yet but I, I am starting to go oh okay like how many more are these can we take like it's not not great so that that would be an area con- for concern i'm not like wildly concerned about it i think they're still in pretty good shape but it is something to watch out for um on on thursday
2: that's a great point i think you know the 49ers kind of part of the reason the pass rush is so effective is because they can throw waves at you and they get their guys rested up. Seattle's offensive line is not all that bad anymore. Um, they have Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas on the bookends, two rookies who played decently well and have been improving as the year goes on. And I think it really comes down to what like Seattle tries to do, if that makes sense. I think this can be one of those games where Seattle's offensive approach can minimize the fact that the 49ers might only have two defensive tackles who are healthy right now in Eric Armstead and Ty McGill. So really 1.5, but <laughs> it's one. I think it's one of those things where, you know, if, especially if Ken Walker's in playing and the Seahawks kind of the 49ers offense can really get this time of possession run game going you force seattle into passing then you can kind of i think the game can take away the defensive line concerns but if like you mentioned we have those games where the offense isn't able to do enough and the defense falters just a little bit then it could it could really start to compound when you know you're now rushing up the gut and you don't have those bodies in there ready to like make a play and they kind of Everything kind of falls apart from there, so, so it's a real concern. I mean, I didn't actually think much about it. it. Kind of just like I was like, oh, you know, they always figure it out.
1: But who
2: knows? Uh, Chris korsak might not be able to work his
1: magic this week. I, I, I never doubt his his ability to work his magic, um, but yeah, I think you you get to a point where that doesn't. It's not always going to work. Um, but we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, just taking a look really quickly at some other, if there's other names that might be um, worth mentioning uh, in terms of the defensive line, other than those that you mentioned, um, they do have a couple of defensive linemen uh, that are on the practice squad that might be names to to watch out for. Uh, Alex Barrett, who's a, a defensive lineman who's who's you know done pretty well. Um, in spot opportunities uh, in the past, so he might be a name to watch out for. Um, they also have Akeem Spence, who's a uh, a defensive, an interior defensive lineman who might be an option off the practice squad. And then Kamoko Ture is back on the practice squad as well. Um, he's more of a of an edge rusher, but if they want to add a uh, depth there, that might be uh, another name to to watch out for. So, they they, they have it there. Um, I'm not like. Again, terribly worried about it. I think it'll be okay. Um, but uh, just something to watch out for uh, throughout the game. Um, all right. So uh, let's uh, let's move into predictions. So Akshaz, what, what do you think? How is this going to go uh, for the Niners on Thursday night?
2: I feel obligated to predict a loss because when we were doing our bye week episode, I was talking all about, oh, you know, I think they're going to lose three straight to the Dolphins and the Bucks and the Seahawks. And now they've won two in a row. So, I don't know. I think, despite my very pessimistic outlook back then, I can't really see a way the 49ers lose this game. I think the talent disparity is is pretty sizable, especially where it matters most in the 49ers offense against the Seattle defense. So, I'm going to say... 24 to 13, 49ers win the division, and we get to celebrate another round at the playoffs.
1: Uh, this, I predicted the final five games of the season. So far, one for one, got to say, although the score was very wrong. Um, I, I, you know, I said 24-10, so maybe not too far off. Um, in the, the, I did predict a win for this game, uh, in that, in that piece that I wrote, but I I decided to amend the score that I, that I went with mostly because after watching this game on Sunday and then thinking about the the week two game, I I, I said 23, 17, but man, I just don't feel really good about Seattle scoring 17 points, um, at this point. So I'm going to, I'm going to amend it. I'm going to say 23 to nine. Um, because I think this defense is just crazy good and i just i don't know man it, the, the seahawks offense is not the best in the nfl um, and it's probably not the best that the niners have faced and they have have really just held a, a lot of pretty good offenses in check this this year and so including this very same seahawks offense you know several weeks ago so um i i'd like i like the chances here so um ox any final words on this one before we wrap things up for this week
2: um, You know, it's it's Seattle week. We didn't really talk much about it, but because That's the 49ers still. have been just like better. They've been like almost above it. But, you know, I I've started I got really into football around the time the 49ers Seahawks rivalry was in full swing. So I I just I have no like analysis, only pure hope that those faces in CenturyLink or whatever it's called, no lumen are sad because, oh, my God, winning two division titles in four years in Seattle. If if they some if the season doesn't end in the storybook ending that I think we all wanted to with the Super Bowl, that might be something I will still look back fondly on is just winning the division in Seattle.
1: Amen. Always, always good times um, for sure. All right. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good game. Tune in on your Amazon account, everybody. That's weird I don't know I don't know how I, feel about that. <laughs> I haven't I'll admit I have I don't think I've watched any of the other maybe like a little snippet of maybe a Thursday night game here or there, but I've not I've not yet I've yet to experience the entirety of the Amazon situation um as far as their broadcast. so this will be very curious um to see how this goes. so that that I'm I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm interested to see what it looks like. I'll just I'll just say that. So, um, I don't know if that's good or better, or otherwise. But there it'll be. Um, but uh, as we wrap up this episode, as we always, uh, we want to uh, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan sided Podcast Network. Please uh, continue to check out noise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers.